Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline to talk not only some NBA draft, but how Brad Stevens is going to approach or need to approach this offseason. It's our friend, former general manager in the NBA, Ryan McDonough. Insider Calls are presented by Hey Maine, a new podcast from Kenny Maine. Each week, Kenny talks famous people from the world of sports, music, and everywhere else. Download Hey Maine on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Mr. McDonough, Gresham Keith, good to talk to you again, friend. How are you? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. I'm doing well, and it's always great to be on with you, too. Well, uh, let's start with tomorrow night's NBA draft. And I know there's a lot of rumblings. There's a lot of murmurs out there right now. But as I see it, Ryan, there isn't that one, two, or maybe three players the teams feel, oh, my God, I got to go get this guy. Now, maybe I'm reading it wrong. There seems to be a lot of trade chatter out there. Are there players to fall in love with in this upcoming NBA draft? I think you're reading it correctly. I think this is a relatively flat draft at the top. A lot of people are talking about the top three players in the front court, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and Paolo Bancaro. I would put Jaden Ivey, the guard from Purdue, in that mix as well. So I think it's it's a draft where you could get good value, maybe picking uh, you know three, four, or somewhere in the mid lottery. It's not a draft, frankly, that I'd be clamoring to get the number one pick, just because I think we could look back years from now and say the best player to come out of the 2022 draft was a guy who was not the number one pick, maybe not even a guy who ends up being drafted in the top two or three. What do you think the mindset is for Brad Stevens going into the draft where you only have one pick and it's late in the second round? So obviously the scouting, I guess, would be a little bit different. But then again, trades happen all the time on draft night, uh, whether you're getting an established player or a pick. So going into a draft without a first round pick, what is that like? Well, it's, frankly, it's not a position I've been in a lot. Uh, when I was in Boston, uh, you know, we built the team primarily through the draft alongside 
Danny Ainge and then made the trades in 2007. Uh, and then in Phoenix, it was primarily through the draft as well. Uh, but, but I have been there once or twice. Um, you know, it's a little bit boring, to be honest with you, yeah. because you're sitting there waiting uh, just for picks to go by. And you realize that the players, when you're, when you're picking, especially if you're the Celtics in the 50s, are not going to be the most exciting names. And, and the odds of hitting at that level are usually relatively low. So, but but I, I do think that's the case for the Celtics. I mean, you guys know where the team is. They were up 2-1. Uh, they were up in Game 4 of the NBA Finals before Golden State flipped it and then uh, won the series in six. So this is a team that's right at the precipice of winning a title. And they also have young players. As I look down their bench, and, and Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard, who uh, haven't played much, if, if at all, in the playoffs and the finals, especially in the case of Neesmith, that they would like to get more minutes for. So I think Boston will be patient. Uh, I don't see them you know, being aggressive, trying to trade into the first round where their roster and payroll are. Uh, I think they probably let the draft come and go. And then if they do upgrade the team, my guess is they either do it in free agency or more likely via trade. Odyssey NBA insider Ryan McDonough here with Gresham Keefe talking about building a team, getting into Brad Stevens and the offseason. And off of that, Ryan, Brad Stevens mentioned yesterday about he'd like to add more playmaking. And Keefe and I really broke that down because does that mean potentially looking for an upgrade of point guard? Does it just mean getting Aaron Neesmith more minutes? Is there somebody else you want to add to the bench? How did you take that comment from Brad Stevens on adding more playmaking ability? I agree with what Brad said. As a former executive, I, I would look to do the same. I think when the team struggled, especially in the finals, it was because Jason Tatum in particular was asked to do too much, and they didn't have additional shot creation options against a very good Golden State defense. So I think playmaking is in need, especially if you look at uh, where the Celtics were last year. You guys know they started 16 and 19 and were underwhelming in 2021 and then really flipped the script in 2022 and were perhaps uh, the best team in the league all, all the way you know, up until the NBA finals in 2022. That was primarily done with their defense. They were the best defensive team in the NBA, especially in that stretch uh, once they turned their season around in January. Uh, but I, I do think they need more shot creation, more playmaking. Uh, you guys know Jason Tatum set a record for most turnovers all time in the NBA playoffs. I think that's a little bit misleading as a stat because if you look at the other guys on that list, they're some of the all-time great players who, uh, in order to be there, you have to have the ball in your hands a lot. You have to be asked to do a lot, and then you have to be capable of creating plays for yourself and others. So I don't want to pin that on Tatum. I, I bring it up relative to uh, Stevens as an executive looking to alleviate some of the burden that Tatum carries and, and trying to get him some help. I, I think um, that was one of the deciding factors in the NBA Finals. Um, I, I didn't see it going that way, frankly, when the, when the Finals were starting, but I thought the Celtics would have a bench advantage if you look at the final series, especially as the series went on in Game 6 in particular when Jordan Poole went off for Golden State. I think that's a lot of how the series was won. The Warriors bench outplayed the Celtics bench, and I think that's something that Stevens and his staff will look to rectify this offseason. Celtics have three trade player exceptions they can use in the offseason. The big money one from Evan Fournier, over $17 million. That one expires sometime next month. What realistically, in your mind, could they even do with that one? Well, that's a good trade exception, and that's certainly the way, the, the most likely way for them to upgrade the team uh, without subtracting a lot from the team. Keep in mind, with that $17.1 million trade exception, they can absorb a player into that who makes uh, that amount or less 
Uh, so I was actually on NBC Sports Boston the other night, and, and Chris Forsberg uh, had some good names, the potential fits in there. Um, one guy that, that we discussed was Kevin Herter from Atlanta, and, and I think the Hawks are a team that went to the conference finals a year ago, uh, took a step back this season. Um, you know, they paid John Collins, uh, and I think they were thought they were pretty well set up coming into the season, and this year did not go according to plan. And I bring up the Hawks because they have a lot of tradable contracts. Um, clearly, the, the trend line in the short term is not going in the right direction. And when you have a young star like Trey Young, you want to maximize his prime and potential. Uh, so I, I keep an eye on guys like that. I mean, you know, if, if you look up and down the league, um, you know, talented players making, uh, say, 10 to $17 million in that mid-level plus area. And, and Herder's a guy who would fit because of his shooting ability, uh, because, he, you know, he's not just a catch-and-shoot player. He can do a little more than that. He makes $14.5 million next year. Uh, obviously, to get a talented young player like that, Boston would have to give some value. Um, but, I, but I keep an eye on that, and, and that would fit along the lines of what Brad Stevens is looking for. Maybe not the tr- traditional classic uh, playmaking point guard, but a guy who can um, you know, catch, and, catch and make shots, open shots, and then can also be a secondary p- playmaker who can attack closeouts or make plays from the weak side. Ryan, when you think about this draft, and you mentioned that it's kind of flat, Will that lead to more trades? Do you think there are teams like we know Brad Stevens wants to find something very specific. There's some teams who need to make big moves to get better. Some teams are making little moves along the way. Are you expecting to be this to be a very active trade season overall in the NBA? Yes, very much so. And I think the reason for that, guys, is because it's not a great free agent class. In terms of, if you look at the top players, uh, my expectation and the expectation of most of the people I talk to around the league or team presidents and GMs is that uh, most of the the marquee names on the free agent list will re-sign with their current team. I think Bradley Beal will re-sign in Washington and do a long-term deal with the Wizards. I think Zach Levine is likely to re-sign in Chicago as a bull. Uh, Same with James Harden in Philadelphia. So, um, I, I bring all that up because uh, that puts more emphasis on the trade market because if you're a championship contending team, which clearly Boston is, they were right there on the precipice this year, um, how do you upgrade your team? Well, if you can't sign free agents uh, because the talent's uh, not that good and because you don't have cap space available, then you, you have to do it via trade. So I, I think um, because of that, and also, guys, because of um, the, the changes the NBA has made over the last couple of years, which I think have been good for competitive balance, uh, starting with the lottery reform, with the lottery is more balanced now so that um, I I think if you look at it from a macro perspective makes it less likely that a bunch of teams will try to tank and race to the bottom Um, and then secondarily um, you know the the play-in game added the play-in scenario now where 20 teams make the initial playoff field uh, instead of 16 where you know more teams uh, even if they're sub 500 heading into February and March they still think they have a chance Uh, I think all that means that in the short term teams will be more aggressive and that more teams will can help them immediately uh, rather than, you know, draft picks and things going out in the future. If you were running the Nets, would you re-sign Kyrie Irving? <laughs> would you quit? <laughs> Boy, I, 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 would, I would do everything I can, and it seems like this is what they are doing, uh, to try to get them to opt in for the one year next year at $37 million. You know, we'll, we'll see if um, Kyrie does that or not. Um, guys, I'll, I'll take a step back and look at it from a, a 30,000-foot view of the entire league. Here are the teams I'm projecting to have significant, significant cap space. The Portland Trailblazers, the Detroit Pistons, the Orlando Magic, the Indiana Pacers, 
Kyrie Irving's not going to any of those teams. I mean, let, let's be realistic. So I, I bring it up from a leverage standpoint. Uh, you know, Kyrie's leverage, I, I guess, would be, okay, I'll opt out and leave. Well, where's he going to go? You know, where, where's he going to go if Brooklyn doesn't participate uh, in a sign-and-trade or something like that? So um, my guess, and it's just a guess, but is that maybe they split the difference where, you know, he opts into $36 million, they, they maybe do one more year on the deal, but from Brooklyn, there's no way I'd want to give that guy a four or five year max deal. Uh, we've seen how few games he's he's played in, and and you know all the off court distractions with the vaccination and just the circus around Kyrie over the last two seasons in particular. Um, so it's it's a real tough position that, that Joe Sy, the owner, and Sean Marks, the GM, are in. But you know, frankly, they put themselves in this position, and uh, I think they'll do everything they can to if they do bring Kyrie Irving back, make sure it's on a shorter term deal. Where if it doesn't go well, if Kyrie keeps acting this way, they have the ability to pivot it. Uh, pivot and get out of it relatively easily without doing long-term damage to the franchise. Yeah, I mean, if I was, as a Celtics fan, I would just say no to Kyrie. Sign and trade, great, but if it's just him back in any capacity, I would say no. You Now, you'd mentioned some of the other potential free agents, and you think James Harden, and I agree with you, likely to re-sign with Philly, but is that the right move for them after watching another real head-scratching playoff performance from this guy? Well, whether it is or it isn't, the reality of the situation is that decision has already been made. And what I mean by that is when you give up that kind of value, right. that like, like Philadelphia gave up, uh, yes, Ben Simmons was disgruntled and didn't play and has not played uh, since then, but he is talented and he's still you know, in his mid-20s. Uh, but also keep in mind that, that Philly, in the deal with Brooklyn to bring in James Harden, gave up Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and then multiple first-round picks. Um, so if you give up all that, especially as a team that's well over the salary cap with or without James Harden. If you look at Philly's payroll, they have Joel Embiid, who makes a lot of money, Tobias Harris on basically a max contract. Um, so to look at it the other way, guys, if the Philadelphia 76ers were to let James Harden walk, then they're replacing him with an exception player or a minimum player. Uh, clearly, he's better than that. So uh, I think it's something where, and it seems like these conversations may have already taken place, they're going to try to convince James to re-sign on a shorter deal or maybe a deal that's close to the max, just a little uh, south of the max, and then hope it works better going forward than it has worked. But a lot of it will be on James uh, and how motivated he is and what kind of shape he comes into when training camp starts in the fall. Ryan, last thing from me, what are the Lakers going to do with their mess? What are the realistic options? Like, who wants Russell Westbrook at this point in his NBA career? At $47 million? Nobody. <laughs> Respectfully, <laughs> frankly. No, yeah. Nobody. Yeah. I mean... I'm not. I'm not saying that to pick on a future Hall of Famer or be you know cold or callous about it. But that's just the reality of the situation. He, he's worth a fraction of that amount. If he were a free agent today, and every team in the league had cap space and could pay him whatever, uh, you know, he, he'd get I don't know 10 million, something like that. But but not 47. Um, so so that's the challenge. It, it, but but he is in the last year. Clearly, he will opt into the player option. And, you know, for the Lakers, again, you're trying to maximize LeBron James and Anthony Davis's prime, especially LeBron's as he's in his late 30s now, and then AD with his injury issues. Uh, there's some, you know, legitimate concerns about how long he will last and be effective. Uh, so I, I think they, they suck it up. I think they bring Westbrook back for another year. Um, you know, if, if they could trade him for a couple of lesser contracted players, lesser salary players to help give them some balance and depth, I think they would do that. But I just don't think that's available, guys, because, um, you know, other than maybe Charlotte, if they 
they do something wild, that which I'm not anticipating. I don't know who takes on Westbrook at $47 million. Now, if Russell gets bought out, that's a different story, but I don't think that's in the Lakers' best interest because if they were to buy him out, keep in mind that they still have a majority of that $47 million, that amount less the buyout on their salary cap for next year, which really encumbers what they can do with the rest of their roster. There were reports uh, late last week, even earlier this week, that the Orlando Magic still don't know what they're going to do with the number one overall pick in tomorrow night's draft. When you were running Phoenix and you guys had the number one pick a couple of years ago, how soon in the process did you know you were taking DeAndre Ayton? I think it was relatively close to draft night. I mean, you want to, you know, you obviously have a feeling um, about what you may do or the guys who are in the mix for that pick for, for sure. But then you want to go through the medical, you want to go through the intel, you want to make sure you don't miss anything uh, that would be a disqualifier, you know, in terms of physical, medical, mental, what have you. Um, so I, I think, you know, there may be some legitimacy to that with Orlando. Uh, but look at it this way, guys. If the three of us were in the Magic's front office, we'd want the same thing out there. You know, we'd want the fact that uh, we're wide open, that we haven't decided on anybody, um, because you, you want the teams, especially the teams directly behind you, if you're the Magic, who are the OKC Thunder in that number two slot, and then the Houston Rockets who pick third, you, you would want them, if they fall in love with one certain guy, you would want them to think that they need to trade up to make sure they get that guy uh, if, and if you're Orlando. You say, yeah, we're, we're comfortable taking any of the top three or four guys, and if you want him, come pay us a premium to come up and get number one. We're open to doing business, but it's going to cost you a lot. Were you guys close on anybody else just because you look at the next two picks and what a difference. You know, Marvin Bagley goes two, and then Luka Doncic goes three. And then, all, you know, he eventually gets traded down to five for Trey Young. But, I mean, between Bagley and Doncic is a massive gap there. Were either of those guys close? Oh, sure. I mean, we certainly evaluated all those guys. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. was a guy who mm-hmm. impressed in the process as well. Um, you know, our, our thought process, and, you know, without being too specific, keep in mind that I got fired that preseason before any of those guys played a game. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, you could probably draw the conclusion that there was some dissent and disagreement, uh, you know, around the way the 2018 Suns offseason went. Uh, but, but I bring it up because thought process, right or wrong, and what we ended up going with was we had Devin Booker, a young backcourt star, uh, DeAndre Ayton we took, we thought could be a, you know, a frontcourt star who could really complement Devin's weaknesses with his rebounding, uh, you know, lob threat ability, rim protection ability, defense, um, all, all those kind of things, and, and his skill inside, and then w- once that decision was made, you know, who's the best guy to put on the wing between them, uh, and we felt that was Mikel Bridges, so we ended up later in that draft making a trade. Um, you know, I understand the pick has been criticized, <laughs> I've, you know, bore the brunt of that. I, I would point out to people that Phoenix Suns went to the finals two years ago, and this year they had the best record in the league, led primarily by those three guys, Booker, Bridges, Nate, and, and with Chris Paul being their, you know, the other player in their top four. So uh, I, I've been raked over the coals for it, but it's a results-oriented business, and I think as you look at the Suns and their team over the last couple of years, the results have been pretty good. Well, the results are always great when Ryan McDonough joins us here on Gresham Keefe. Thank you. Enjoy tomorrow night, and I'm sure we'll talk to you throughout the summer, Ryan. Thank you. Hey, thanks, guys. Always thanks, great to be on with you. There we go. Appreciate Ryan it. McDonough with us on the Harbor One Hotline. And again, Odyssey NBA insider Ryan McDonough. Insider calls are presented by Hey Maine, a new podcast from Kenny Maine. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 